So we're going to get started today. I, I really appreciate uh, having this opportunity. Uh, as everyone knows, uh, uh, we do, uh, the Lord instructed us about six years ago uh, as we had been in prayer and been praying and and we ha we've always felt a passion to break down racial and denominational barriers. And I said, God, how can we do that? And the Lord instructed us to go to a Saturday service once a month. And on that Sunday, uh, we show up at somebody's church, black, white, Hispanic, Baptist, Methodist, cat, wherever we need to show up uh, to fellowship with the brethren. And, uh, and how many of you know that that's what God done called us to do? Amen. Uh, it's time out for the church building its own kingdom and begin to build the kingdom. Amen. Uh, and this is what it's all about. Amen. So we're going to share with you this morning. Uh, Pastor Frank uh, gave me the, you know, he said, he said, brother, I'm going to be doing a series. I, I want you to talk about the, the door. I said, well, what kind of door there, Pastor? He said, I want you to do the door of sin. I said, I can't do the door of Jesus or door or something. No, it's going to all lead to that. I said, that's all right then, brother. I'll do it. Amen. So uh, don't know how God going to fit this word together. I was really praying over what I needed to say and how he wanted to do it. So uh, we're going to just let God have his way. Amen. Is that all right? Also, before I even get started, I want to make this out there on my truck is a stack of about 115, 120 food boxes. And all of you beautiful faces in here, I need you to grab two or three or five of them boxes, however many you want. Amen. But I need you to grab a box. Amen. I need you to grab as many as you need to go take to your community, uh, pass them out to somebody. That's what I bought them here for on today. So I uh, want everybody, look at your neighbor, say, neighbor, make sure you grab a box. Look at your other neighbor and say, neighbor, make sure you grab two or three boxes. So, so look here, if a man walk up and say he want 50, give it to, we, we ain't discriminating. Whoever want them boxes, you can get them. Amen. So, so we got them boxes set up for you. But let's talk about this thing. And today I'm, I'm going to be dealing with this door right here. Ain't that door pretty right there? That's a pretty, that's a pretty looking door. Uh, and, and as I begin to study, I, I said, God, I said, you want me to, you know, talking about these doors. And one of the things when you look in the Bible, God, literally, the Bible said that Jesus is the door. And one of the things about God, God is the door. A door can do many things. A door opens and allows you to go into somewhere, go into a destiny. A door closes and protects you. A door closes and, and, and it, 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 you know, it blocks off. It keeps things out. Uh, you know, doors do a lot of things in our everyday lives. Uh, you know, that's some of the most valuable things in a building. Amen. Uh, you know, without the door. And one thing about God's door is his doors, it got keys. So, 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 uh, but one thing about the devil, the devil door ain't got no key. It, it's for everybody. It'll let anybody come in there. It'll let you do anything you want to do. It, his, the, the, the door that leads to his king, to what he does and what his kingdom. One thing about the devil, he ain't got but two rooms in his little castle. The Bible says sin leads to death. He just got two rooms. But now one thing about our God, he got plenty of rooms. He got plenty. When you walk into the kingdom of God, it's the, you got a door with peace on it. You got a door with joy on it. You got a door with finances on it. You got a door that, that, that brings deliverance. You got a door that brings healing. His house got, the Bible says he, he got mansions. Amen. So we know God is in the doors. He likes doors. 
And, and so we're going to talk about these doors today, and I just want to let you understand about this door, the door to sin. And one thing about the enemy, the enemy, all he has is a counterfeit door. He don't got the, he's not the real door. So, so I want you to realize that in the day, I want you to picture yourself and man, is there, is there anything in my life that's counterfeit that I've been allowing the enemy to uh, 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 mess me up and cause me to be trapped? And I want to talk about today. Uh, it's many, you know, you got different things, but I want to talk about the door of offense. Amen. And how offense leads to many other things that we get trapped in uh, as the saints of God. Amen. So we're going to talk about this thing today. And, and uh, I want to go first to Romans 5 and 12. And so we, we want to we read this Romans. Go, to, go with me to Romans Romans 5 and 12, and they're going to throw them up there on the, uh, on the uh, jumbotron. I'm going I'm to sit up and speak it over you, uh, Pastor Franklin, the jumbotron. It's going it's to be big. I like I said, we, we, done, we done done this before. I'm, I, I'm used to having to set up. When I, we first started out our church, we started my church in uh, at the church that God told us to start up. We started in my mama basement. And we had to set up every day, every Sunday, did all that. Then we graduated to a trailer. And then when we graduated that trailer, we had a little room about yay big and had the, had the keyboard in the kitchen by the sink. And we had the drums in the dining room at the table. Amen. And my, and my, and my, and my, and my uh, you know, the podium I had was nothing more than a speaker. Didn't even have it hooked up. You didn't have to hook up nothing back then. You know, the sound just went when it just got to go two feet. Amen. <laughs> So, so, so I done been there, done that, got five t-shirts, amen, but, but, but being faithful, you, you, you know, the power of God rested in that basement just like it rested in that trailer, just like it's resting in that building that God done blessed us with now, and that's what it's all about is being faithful, amen. But Romans 5 and 12, it reads this, it says, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, it's, and death by sin, it said, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law of sin was in the world, but it said, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Now, just want to, I want to read that word world to you because sin uh, was, was, was in the world. It came into the world. And, and again, you, you can see a picture of, well, whether your Bible speaks of a door or not, you can see the picture of a door in pretty much every type of passage of scripture. And one of the things we know about God is, you know, the Bible says this about God. The Bible says he is the beginning and the end. So what is that? You go through a door to begin something, you shut it to do what? End something. He is the door. That's why, that's why he is the door. Nobody else can be the door but God. God got the capability of walking in and out of your situation however he want to, whatever he need to do. And look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, God done gave you the ability to walk as a door. So you so so you able to walk in where you want to walk into in God or you uh, or walk into the enemy's camp or you able to you able to shut what need to be shut whatever. He he in, he in street, you know he put that in humans to be able to do and have the capability to do some of the things that he uh, himself was able to do but the word world I, I want to break this down to you before we go in further to make my case. The world, world, it is the word cosmos, cosmos, 
And it's where we get cosmos or universe, uh, but, it's, but it's cosmos. And it means this. It means this. One of the meanings is order or government. So we know that the, 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 the devil himself, when he established his kingdom, uh, you know, it's a type of order, government. But I like this right here about world. One of the meanings is ornament or decoration. So props or decor. So one of the things about the world is the world is, again, the devil don't got to, he, 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 he a counterfeit. So everything about the enemy is artificial. Amen. So, so his only thing he can do for us and do to us is trick us into taking the bait and getting us caught up in things we don't need to be caught up in. Amen. Because he, everything about him is artificial. And notice, it, it's, it, you know, it's, deco it's decoration or ornament. So, so when the devil uh, uh, presents something to you, it's fake stuff. It ain't nothing but, you know, anybody done read Dante's Inferno. If you, you know, if you, you've been in English, pretty much everybody done read that story. And you know that story is a story about an uh, individual that goes to hell. And, and at first, everything looks so wonderful so beautiful, but as he begins to, eyes begin to really be enlightened and stuff, beautiful women turn into these ugly animals and things in their turn, don't, they're not as they seem, amen? And that's how sin does us. When we, when we walk through that door, it gives the illusion that everything is wonderful and it gives it a hallucination that everything is wonderful. But, but as you begin to dabble in sin, sin takes you further than you want to go. And it'll hold you longer than you want to stay. <laughs> it'll drive you down roads that you never thought you'd drive down. It, 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 see, when sin takes hold of us, it puts us, and you got to always be examining yourself to make sure you ain't falling back in the stuff. That's what the Bible said. Examine yourself and be, and see if you be in the faith. That you, you got, it, when it talks about the communion, constantly examining who you are and what your character is, you ought to always be dealing with stuff on the inside of you and, and, and perfecting this love that God done put on the inside that, that he wants you to perfect. Now go with me down. I want everybody to go with me to uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 32, and then we're going to go to Luke. But I, I, want you, I want to read 1 Corinthians 10. Verse 32, and we're going to get rid of the rest of the hat here at a few places. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 32, and it reads this. It says, give none offense, neither to Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. And I, and I want you to just remember that as I'm talking about this. It give, give none offense to the Jews, give none offense to the Gentiles, and give none offense to the church. There's another uh, scripture that says, let the church be blamed for nothing. Amen. And so let's go to Luke 17. And we're going to talk about this right here. Luke 17. Somebody go with me to Luke. Luke 17. And we're going to go 1 through 5. And we're going we gonna to rest right here for a little while. And, uh, and we'll be getting ready to go home so y'all can get out there and get them boxes. I'm going to keep making reverence to them boxes out there. There's a door to them boxes out there. Yes, Lord. Pastor don't need to have to hand them out. I got to go preach somewhere else. I need you to take that door to them boxes out there. Put that in your spirit subconsciously. Hey, man, you don't get a box, I'm going to call you a sinner. Hey, man. Hey, man, you done sinned. Sinning, you better get them, Frank. They're sinning, you know, brother. Forgot to get them boxes. But right here in verse 17, it reads right here. It says, 
It says, then said he unto the disciples, it is impossible but that offenses will come. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, offenses are going to come. So, so I want you to realize you can't go to church, you can't live in the world without offenses. One of, one of the things I see with people of God is people have this misconception of church that when you come to church, there's never going to be any problems. You come to God, there's never going to be any problems. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you wouldn't go to the doctor and they ain't got sick people, would you? So I, want you, so I want you to wipe that out right now. You guys that have come and, you, and you're members of Lake Point Church, I can tell you right now, you're going to have some problems. Offense is going to come, and it's how you handle the offense is what's going to determine whether you're a real disciple or not. Because I find most people that claim to be church people cannot handle offenses. And when you get offended, it's going to cost you dearly. Amen. We, we, don't, we, don't, we don't watch what 2020 done produced. We, we watched all kind of so-called church people get offended. And I'm going to show you what happens when it happens. Because they begin to go down the door of sin. It looked pretty. It looked good. It, it, looked, it looked all good. I want you to pay attention to that door. That door represents sin. And it says this right here. It says, will come, but woe unto him whom they, they come. Now notice it gave you another warning. It said, woe unto him to whom they come. So we got to look at your neighbor and say, it said, woe. Whoa, whoa, you know, you know, if you, you ever lived on a farm or something, or, or you get on one of them horses, and but you know, I'm a country boy, so y'all, y'all look at me, I'm country, so I, I, you know, I know about the horses and the, and the pigs and the hog killing, deer killing, and all that kind of stuff. That's you know, that's what I come from, skin and bucks and everything. So it said, whoa, look at your neighbor, say, whoa. You know, we, we, you plant the garden, or you, was, you on that buggy. I wrote my cut, my, one of my buddies down the road, I get in a buggy with him, and that's what he'll yell out when he wants them things to stop. Whoa! Whoa! You know, so, so whoa, that's an alarm right there. It said, it, said, it, uh, it were better for him that a, a millstone were hanged about his neck. It said, he cast into the sea than he that should offend one of these little ones. It said, take heed to yourselves if ye brothers trespass against thee. Rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. It said, if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And then verse 5, it says this right here, and the apostles said unto the, unto the Lord, increase our faith. See, I think that's about what we all, probably you ought to be saying when people do you dirty and they offend you seven times. Oh, Lord, increase our faith. I, this sister done me so dirty, I got to put these hands on her. This brother done me so dirty, I got to, I got, I'm about to call my people. See, in the black community now, we, back in the day when I was on the street and stuff and you done wrong, we make, we make an old call. I, look, brother, we got to go hound lead catch up. Come on over here and let's ride. They done done us dirty over here. Know about y'all? That's what that's what they done it. Look at in the white community, they done it too. All my white buddies, they done it too. You know, ain't no difference between the black community and the and the and, and the white community. We 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 got our we got we got our black nicks. You got your red nicks. You got and all of them doing the same thing. Why? Because <laughs> sin is sin, and it move on everybody <laughs> that'll let it move on them. But now this is what I want to get to right here. This word offense, in the first of this, it said, uh, it said it is impossible, but for offenses will come, but woe be unto him through whom the offenses come. 
That word offense is right here in this text. It is the word scandalon, where you get scandal from. Touch your neighbor, say, neighbor, it's a scandalon. It's a scandalon. So, it, so, so you got a scandal right here. But, and I like this. I want you to pay attention because this, this first offense, it means this scandalon, and it means this. It's a movable stick or trigger of a trap. Is it a snare, a place that causes one to stumble or fall, stumbling block, to arouse prejudice? I want you to hear that right there. To arouse prejudice or become a hindrance to others or cause them to fall by the way. Now, let me, let me break this down in old country terms, old country. But back in the day, we used to build rabbit traps. And, and, and when we built rabbit traps, you know, we was, we was hunting for rabbits. But one of the things about that rabbit trap we used to build, it was an old box. And uh, the cheap way of building one is you put up this old box and you had this one stick. And you put a, put a niche in that stick, but you make that niche so, just do it so it just with a box just kind of balance on it. And, and you had a box just big enough that when, when the animal got ready to roll in there, the animal hit the stick. Because you had the you had the food in the back of, and the animal hit the stick, and the box dropped dead down on them. And so this is what the devil does to us: is he baits us up, he baits up the scandal, he baits this box up for you, and when he baits it up, you take the bait and you walk in there, and he deals with you through your prejudices. Now let me let me read what prejudice is. Prejudice is this perceived opinion. That is not based on reason or actual experience. Now, ain't you done seen a lot of that in 2020? You don't have people judge. You got the white folk judging the black folk, and the black folk judging the white folk, and the, and the, and you got all this kind of stuff. <laughs> Notice, it's nothing more than prejudice. It ain't a lot of stuff. That what we call racism is not racism. Most of it is prejudice. Prejudice is to make an opinion of something you don't really understand. And I've seen more church folk judge a matter wrongfully and don't even compare it to the Scripture. We just judge and don't even compare it to the Scripture because we've got our own things that we like. And when you're loyal to what you like, it becomes idolatry. The only thing you're supposed to be loyal to is this book right here. Ain't nothing right but the Word of God. I love my mom and daddy and my cousin them, but if they, if they come against this book right here, I can't roll with you, player. Can't roll with you. We got mad and we, we got this, and you've been seeing this pattern go. And the Bible said in the last day, the spirit of bitterness would defile men. And how do you get to that point? The spirit of bitterness drops on you because why? You got your preferences. You got your, and you have, and we have made preferences like they, like they mandatory and they the scripture. So when you, when you saw the, you saw the soldiers and, and then you saw the, you saw football players kneeling down on flags and stuff. Now, now you, you, oh, they, they disrespecting the flag. They, they disrespect. And so you put that worldly thought process over God process. That's what we do. Then you got the black community. Oh, they doing us wrong. All the police, they doing it. So now we, we talking about defunding police. Why? Because of prejudices. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, that's your preference. That ain't the preference of the kingdom. 
The Bible said, me to fend my brother, I won't eat it as long as the world stands. If I, if I run over in the black brother, black community, and, and, and I'm flying a, 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 one of these flags, uh, you know, a Dixie flag, whatever, I can tell you right now, brother, the black people ain't into the Dixie flag, doc. You, you are going to offend the black community when you roll up with the Dixie flag. Why? Because they don't watch the, they forefathers be beat when the Dixie flag show up. This is what I told the brother of Dallas. Let me tell you something about a dog. I said, everybody like dogs. I said, if you go beat your dog with a yellow cane and you've been beating him every day, and then finally you sit up and say, I'm sorry for beating my dog. I ain't never beating my dog again. But you show up with the same yellow cane to try to pet him. Is he going to trust you? <laughs> that's, what, that's what you say when you show up with the Dixie flag. You ain't going to let me come to dinner with the black power flag hanging on my car. Franklin, we're going to be doing steaks, but, you know, I got these new black power flags, brother. I got to fly them. <laughs> got to fly them. Matter of fact, I got some small ones made. You can, you can finish the steaks off with these right here. <laughs> now, you, 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 see, you see that kind of stuff? And the devil will pull that scandal out. He'll cause you to get offended in order to trap you in your own trap. And so we got people that have been trapped in their own prejudices and they done went through that door of sin and when you get loyal to sin, it don't, it don't do nothing but bring death. It will not bring life. And so this is what gets in trouble. Well, Pastor, you telling me, look, I honor all of us. I love the soldiers. I love them. But God is into saving. So he, Bible says he wished that none should perish. So if Jesus cracked the sky, I can tell you right now, you may not like them Kaepernick them, but God in the humans. And he's going he, he to stand for humans. That's what he's going to do. Hello, somebody. Because he's trying to save everything. I'm trying to save the nigger, the honky, the chink, the wetback. The white man, the black man, whatever you calling yourself, I'm saving all of them. You, you, are, you are a kingdom citizen, and because you're a kingdom citizen, God said, I done told you to repo this product. You, you got to save humans. <laughs> the flag ain't the problem, you the problem. Get out of your prejudices and go out here and save them. What, what, what you mean, Pastor? It don't matter what name they call you. You got to save them. If I walk up on a white guy and he sit up and say, look at that big black nigga right there. So y'all ain't used to And I'm looking at him like, what, what you call me? See, if I, if I ain't dead to flesh and dead to sin in my own life, I get offended immediately. But when you dead to sin, dead to sin and stuff, you be like, mm, man, I got to love him in spite of. I need to go pray for my enemy. He doesn't become an enemy. But Lord, you said that's your product. You mean to tell me, God, I did, son, if you save him, he'll quit calling you that. You lead him to me, he'll quit calling you that. You get him in my word, he'll quit calling you that. I'm the only one who can change people. Y'all out here trying to change them through your laws, through your name. Like I told somebody, I said, don't mind. If, if a man don't like you, he don't like you. If you was a nigga on Monday, you're going to be a nigga on Friday. If you was a redneck and a honky on Tuesday, you're going to still be a redneck and a cracker and a honky on Thursday. Why? Because you cannot legislate love. It has to be demonstrated. 
But if you get trapped in your own trap and go through the door and it looked appetizing, look, because of your prejudice, you like that door. See, what we think, we, we got, we, the devil will get you, get you toe up from the floor up. And so you like that door and we walk through that door all the time, that door of offense, and it traps us. And the Bible said thereby it defiles us because when the spirit of bitterness is in you, it defiles you. And it causes God to reject you. This is why I tell people, you know, uh, sit up, uh, you know, uh, you know we, we use that concept of once saved, always saved, but it never should ever be used. Because that's, that, that's like telling LeBron James, LeBron, you're the best player that ever lived. Don't, don't go work out, LeBron. You got, it, you got it sealed up. Don't go practice. We have told Christians that they don't got to practice. We have told Christians that you can get saved and you ain't got nothing else to do. We ain't saved by works. You thinking like an American. The works you talking about ain't got nothing to do with what that Bible talking about. Somebody asked me, what you mean? I said, brother, when it say they ain't saved by works, it's talking about, it's talking about what they did in the Old Testament. I said, in the Old Testament, I said, if you had to go repent, you raised your sheep up. I said, guess what happened? I said, if you live 50 miles away, you waited six months to a year before you even took your offerings to the temple to get them to sacrifice for your sin. So guess what you had to do? You nurturing them sheep, you raising them up, petting them, got to come out there and feed them with the feeding trough. And then daddy wake up one day and say, hey, we going, to, we going to go for a remission of sins and stuff. We going to the temple today. So we got this 50-mile ride on this horse and buggy. And, this horse, and so you walking in, you having, to, about it, you having to corral 200 sheep across 50 miles of terrain before you could get them over there to the altar, and then once you got them over there to the sanctuary, you had to kill them yourself and help the, and, and help the, the priests to put them on this altar out here. Now, I don't know about y'all, but being a country boy, last time I checked, that's work. That is work. That ain't just no some work. That's, ma that's major work. Well, we can't be good enough. Well, if you can't be good enough, you ain't going to enter into heaven. Because the Bible says ain't no adulterers, no effeminates, no murderers, no children. When you repent, you live in perfect at that very moment. Amen. This is why Apostle Paul and them said, we die daily, we repenting daily. Amen. When I woke up this morning, and, and, and even, at, even today, Lord, I repent for all my sins. Right now, the blood done washed me clean. Because I'm in Christ, I'm moving in perfection. Y'all ain't even heard nothing like that, hey. We ain't saved, but brother, look at him, if... If God's, if his blood wasn't powerful enough to break freedom for us, then what you repenting for? You doing it daily. You wash your car every day. And when it get dirty, when your dirt, now notice, your car can be brand new, but guess what? It's going to get residue on it. We just like old cars, baby. Jesus, Jesus sitting out here with a free car wash looking for you to walk, come through it. But now notice, who got to go through the car wash? You do. If you, ain't, if you don't choose to go through the car wash, you dirty Hello, somebody. Now, what kind of work did it create for you to repent? How, Lord, I just cussed. I, I just lied, Lord God. I repent right now. now where the work at? Did you break a sweat doing that? Did you break a sweat doing that? You did not break a sweat doing that. So when you, when you I, I know some of y'all that tell your theology up, but you, the Bible said, let's he blot thee out the book. Now, you'd have had to been wrote in the book to get blotted out the book. Come on now. 
You, you'd have had to be wrote in the book to get blotted out the book. But examine yourself. And what Paul said, lest I be a castaway. What are you going to be cast away from? These are the questions you got to ask yourself. Bible says he's coming back for a bride without spot, blemish, or wrinkle. Examine yourself. Now, why do I got to examine myself? And why do I got to put on all this armor if I ain't got to be protecting myself from nothing? You know, we don't even think like that. They done told her once, save, I always say, brother, you ain't got to do nothing. You ain't got to work on it. I'll tell you what now, I'm a football player. Go out there without pads, and everybody else is wearing pads out there, and I want you to go full speed, and let's see who's going to win that battle. I can tell you right now, the smallest man is going to whoop you because when you, when you collide with that brother with that helmet on, they're going to they be coming to pick you up. And so we got all this stuff God is doing right here. Offense now. I told you it was prejudice. It become, now let's do the next one. It says this right here. It said, if it uh, were better for him, verse 2, that a milestone hang around there, verse 3. It said, take heed to yourselves. If you brother, brothers transgress against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. It said, if he trespass against, uh, trespass against thee again, uh, trespass against thee seven times in a day. It said, seven times in that day, turn again and say, I repent for thou forgive him. And then he asked that question, and the apostle said unto the, him, Lord, increase our faith. Now, uh, going back up to the other offense in the, in the first part of it, the word offend, and I want to read this one to you as well. It means scandaloso, and it means this, to put something in the way, it said the same, uh, it said uh, in the way, uh, it said uh, that someone may trip or fall, to entice or to sin, to cause a person to begin to uh, distrust or desert one whom he should trust and obey, to cause one to judge unfavorably and unjust of another. Now notice, this is what the enemy has done to, to tries to do to us on a constant. This is why when you come to church, remember this. You got to learn to love your brothers and love your sisters. And guess what? You're not going to agree on everything. But it should not be a deal breaker just because Sister Sally may cook the beans and everybody else like hers better than they like yours. I'm leaving, Pastor Frank. I went and made some breakfast in there and everybody bragged on her. Didn't nobody say nothing about mine. I think I'm going to leave the church. I'm leaving because I just don't feel like I'm loved and I belong. Now, now notice... That's the trick of the enemy to get you set up where you become offended. And again, what did I tell you? It's a scandal. It means to be stuck in a trap. And so when you're stuck in the trap, one of the things about being stuck in a trap, imagine being stuck in a trap. And, and the other thing I put down here, the Lord spoke in my spirit, three, the offense comes against you in three different ways. And this is what it's going to attack. It's going to attack you in your eyes. It's going to attack you in your hands, and then he's going to attack you in your feet. Now, what do I mean by that? When you get offended with your eyes, now you can't see clearly. You become so offended with your eyes and stuff for what you see that now you don't, you're not somebody that sits up and says, how can I fix the problem? Now you literally become the problem. And so you get people come to church, and when they get offended in their eyes, people pick churches like hotels. <laughs> so you come to church, and, and uh, you know, I don't think I want to go over that Lake Point. They, they, yeah, uh, all about Jesus, Lake, they ain't got no children's ministry. 
I don't think I want to go over there. You know, I come in there, I need somebody to keep my kid because my kid won't sit still. They don't got anything over there. When y'all going to get something in here for that right there? Now, if it's your problem and you got an issue with it, it's probably meant for you to take that on as your part of your ministry. That's what I tell people. I was riding in the car one day working on buying a car, and, and I asked the car driver, the guy riding in the car, I said, brother, you going to church? First thing come out of his mouth. I would, brother, but you know, some of these churches, they don't got nowhere to keep my kids and everything, so I just quit even going to that church. I, I, you know, these, they just, you know, if you don't got that together, I don't want to come. And my wife tapping me because she know I'm about, to, I'm about to get this cat. I let that cat talk, and then after that right there, I just went ham on him. I said, brother, let me tell you something. I said, I know you ride me in this car. I said, but that is the dumbest thing I ever heard. I said, if you sit up there, I said, now, brother, you picking church like hotels. I said, I said, uh, if you see that it's a need for it, why don't you get busy and do it? Oh, he shit with the hush mouth. I said, I said, it's people like you that hinder why the church can't be what it need to be. I said, because you come to church and think church is your gimme, whatever. I said, first off, you ought to be able to handle your own kids. That's what the Bible say. This ain't no babysitting unit. This is for you to come in here. You're supposed to be teaching your kids at the house. I told him, I said, brother, when I was growing up, I said, we didn't have, ain't nobody heard about no youth pastors and stuff. That was non-existent. I said, you came in church and you sit your tail down, and if you couldn't sit your tail down, they was whooping you. That's what they was doing. How many older saints I got in here? Who know about them whoopings and stuff? I know y'all know about them. You know, this young generation, you know, we can't do it like that. We, we got to, you know, we got, it can cause scarring of the mind and whatever. That's the problem. You need to scar their mind <laughs> so they can do right. It, it worked for me. And so we pick churches like hotels because of offenses. And so you got this kind of stuff going on. So, well, you know, I'm going to go over there because, you know, they got continental. I like to cut in there. No, I don't want to go over there. They don't got full breakfast. I, you know, I don't really like their sausages and their eggs and that. I don't really like none of that right there, you know, and it's just kind of, you know, and then these are the people that try to judge what the church is like. You know, the Lord told me this and whatever. What did he tell you? You ain't even a part of nobody. How are you judging something when you ain't, you ain't even stayed in church for, two, for a year, but you out here supposed to know the Lord? Hello, somebody. When the Lord said, forsake not the assembly of the brother, I, I, I told one individual, I said, let me tell you something. I said, the strongest people in the, in, the, in the body of Christ are those that fellowship in the body of Christ. Them your strongest Christians. Those of you that choose to be out here rogue by yourself, you the weakest thing that ever walked the face of the earth. Why? Because you can't, it's, it's power in unity. When you come, one can chase a thousand, two can put 10,000 to flight. Now, when I got a devil on my back and whatever, I, got, I need to be able to call somebody, pray with me. When I go in, if I'm battling with something in my health or whatnot, how many people you want praying for you when you're in sick and in bed? How many? You want as many people as can send them prayers up. Because that's what you need because guess what? It's going to be some stuff put you down and put you th through such trauma, you don't even feel like praying. So somebody got to tote the load for you. And then it happens where 
After the enemy stopped you with his eyes, he hits your hands. And so he hits you in your hands, and so now because you offended, you ain't wanting to do no work. I don't want to come to church. I'm tired of helping in the children's ministry and stuff. I, I don't got offended. I, little sister with me and her got into it the other day, and I was so upset with it, I ain't even going back. The whole church is just bad. <laughs> don't you, don't you, you, how many of you done heard them right there? How many? How many? Whole church just bad. Now, sister, Sue is who hurt you. You got 70 other people ain't even said nothing to you. Why, why don't you deal with Sue? Don't blame the whole thing on everybody. Now notice, we do this and the devil does this and notice he puts us in our own trap and notice we took the bait. See, most of the time you get caught up in, when, when you get caught up in offense, it's because you took the bait. The trap was baited up, somebody did you dirty and because of your worldly thought process, if somebody do me wrong, they can catch these hands. Somebody do me wrong, I got, I got to walk away. Now notice, the Lord called Judas friend. We don't want to hear that. The Lord literally called Judas his friend. Now if God is not walking away from his enemies, what you sitting up walking away from him for? Because remember this, people, opposition gives you the opportunity to perfect love. You cannot perfect the true love of Christ if you refuse to not go through process of opposition. That's how you know you're a real Christian. When you can love your enemies and do good to them to despitefully misuse you, you walking as a real disciple. We know it can be done. Look at when Stephen was getting stoned by them rocks and stuff, they hitting him. And this brother is so focused, he's so dead to his flesh that he looks up into heaven and he says, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. You don't read nowhere he went and got a gun. I know y'all like your guns. Somebody break in here, we got to do something to him. You spend more time praying, you ain't got to worry about nobody breaking in your stuff. The Bible said he'll give his angels charge over you that you won't dash your foot on a stone. The Lord protecting his people. I'm amazed at what we get caught up in. So, Pastor, you telling me you ain't, you ain't got to, I don't have to worry about no gun. I can give you testimonies why I don't. Because I know the Lord. I done had people come up and, and threaten me. I was out doing witnessing one year, and, 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 and this guy literally pulls a gun on me and puts it to my head and said, I bet you would denounce your God now. now. I ain't gonna tell you I wasn't scared. Now, my head down inside. But the Holy Ghost rose up in me, and I looked him dead in the eye, and I said, Brother, let's tell you what's finna happen right here. I said, I already know it ain't my time to go, so either God finna save you, I said, or the gun gonna jam. Or the gun gonna blow up and kill you. I said, because I ain't finna die right now. So that's what's gonna happen. That dude looked at me. He looked at his boys sitting around him. He said, this dude is crazy. You know, and he cussed and said a few choice words. Put his gun back up. He said, man, I cannot believe you didn't. He said, I done done that to other people and they, and they, and they sit up and, and mess themselves and whatever. I said, I ain't other people. I'm a man of God. I got the angels of the Lord fighting for me. Now, when you get where you learn how to walk, this, these are the saints that God are getting ready to raise up because you're going to need it like that in these last days, I'm telling you. you you're going to need to be able to walk like that and walk in that type of authority. You, you, we, we, we had, 
So we had a situation years ago. I, I had somebody in my house, and, and they'd been in the gangs and everything, and they come and been, and I helped take them out the street and everything. And they had a little backslide moment, helped take them out the street, and, 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 and they come to the house, and, and, and they said, they after me. They're they going to get me. I said, they ain't going to get you, brother. The Lord is going to protect you. I said, well, I said, I pray angels in my yard every, every week, every day. Now, little did I know, they was after the brother. They set up and they, they got in their car and I watched, the, I watched these gangbangers come in their car and they came through my neighborhood and they, were, they ride, rode up and down the street looking for them. I come out and stood on the porch. They riding up and down the street. Can't find them. Even though they, had, they, they probably knew the address. Couldn't, couldn't do nothing. They went on. I used to do jail, uh, teach at the jail, and I had this one lady. She was a little bit short lady, like this right here, and she was the, she was the chaplain of the thing, and, and she told me a story that was so powerful. She said, she said one particular day, uh, Brother Moses said, I went, and, and I got up every morning like I do, and I put on all my armor, and, and I prayed, and I said, and I prayed the Father's prayer that Lord protect me. He said, said and I didn't know when I got to the job that what was going to happen. Well, she gets to the job, and, and two of the inmates decide to break out. And they whooped one guard and whooped him and beat him up bad, whooped another one, beat him up bad. Big old guys whooped him, beat him up blood, whooped another guard bad. And she had just walked in and she walks to the door through the entrance to get ready to go out. And when she steps to the entrance to get ready to go out, the men begin to look around like this right here and they begin to cower down and like this. Oh, we, we good. We're we, we not going to do nothing. And they ran back to their cell. And she, so she was so amazed that they reacted like this that she went and talked to him and said, 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 y'all just whooped three men and put them in the hospital. What was the difference when you came up on me and I ain't but four foot 11? What made you move and get away from me? They said, they said, minute, said, said sister, said, when we rolled up on you, said it was two men that was nine feet tall and we knew we couldn't whoop them. Because when God is with you and you really got God in you, amen, hello somebody, he, he going he gonna to do what he got to do. So the enemy hinders you in different ways, his hands, and then the next place he, he offends you, Ed, is in your feet. So when I offend you in your feet now, you stop doing anything. So now you, you know, you become that homebody, you stay at church. You know, I know y'all don't have them. Y'all don't start this ministry, but I guess I guarantee you the people you started out with, everybody ain't stayed with you. Hmm. That's how it go. Some of them told you they was going to be with you, didn't they? We got you back, Pastor. We right there. And something happens to offend them. A scandal happens in their life, and boom, next thing you know, they're gone, and they got some crazy excuse to tell you. And they done walked through that door and trapped themselves. And when you walk through that door, it traps you. And then what happens is, here you are, you've become to the place where you're so deceived. See, one of the things about the devil is he deceives us into thinking that we're right. God has called the people of God to be transformed Christians, not modified sinners, and put Jesus on it. That's what we got going on right now. You got, instead of people being transformed, they modified. The Lord loved me. That is, the Bible don't say nothing about uh, modifications. It says transformation. You are to become something else. You can't stay the same. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you can't stay the same. 
I told him in the men's meeting the, the other day, you, 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 you got to realize that if you get saved today, you a 30 watt. Tomorrow, you ought to be a 40 watt. Two years from now, you ought to be a 70 watt. Your wattage ought to be going up in God every day. And we got church people that get saved and your wattage don't go up. So you come to church and, and you sit there and, and I've, been, I've been coming to church 30 years sitting in this same chair. Sister, you in my chair now. I've been sitting there 30 years. See, that, that's a wattage problem right there. That's, you, you haven't grown. You, you're so attached to the chair that if, if a sinner done came to sit in the chair, you're going to make them get up? A new person coming to the church, you're going to make them get up? You know, it's like 100 chairs over here. What would it do you to go get out of the norm and go sit in You know, they actually feel the same. They're the same color, you know, everything. What, you know, what, what is the difference in that chair? Well, I like looking from my right side. And I could tell, if you was blind in the eye or something, you know, you might have an argument there. But notice what we do. We get offended. And once you get offended and stuff, those simple things cause us to go and get ourselves in trouble. And, and we suffer from what I call hallucinations. And, you, and when you hallucinate, I, I want to, I like this right here. There's three deceptions of hallucination and what happens and why you get tricked. The number one thing in hallucination, they say, is auditory, which means sound and voices. The Bible says there are many voices. Which voice are you hearing? See, many of us, it doesn't matter uh, what goes on. If you're really hearing the voice of God, you respond to the voice of God. The Bible says, the sheep hear my voice, and a stranger they will not follow. So when things happen and, and things that offend us and get us in trouble or whatnot happen unto us, we're hearing the voice of the Lord, and the Lord is telling us, love your enemy. Do good to them despite when they use you. They done you wrong. Still love them. They did you dirty. Still love them. Well, Lord, I love them, uh, but, you know, I ain't got to go around them. How do you know you love them if you ain't been around them? You don't know that your love is written. That's why I tell people even forgiveness. How you know you truly have forgiven somebody is when they walk through the door, do they still mess your atmosphere? If they walk through the door and they still mess your atmosphere, you have not forgiven them. Somebody here, you need to hear that. You got a daddy you got unforgiveness towards. You got a mama you got, you got family. You got, you got unforgiveness towards. And you running around here saying, hey, I got it together. I, I'm, I'm going to be good. No, you're not going to be good. Because if you got unforgiveness in your heart, the Bible says that God will not forgive you of your sins. So it's going to be a bunch of people that get up, to, get up there and stand before God. And God going to say, he going to do you like a monopoly. Do not pass gold. Do not collect $200. Why? Because you truly did not forgive. Forgiving is an act of mercy. And if you don't get, have you ever thought about that there are many people that go into sickness and the reason why they can't get healed is because they ain't gave no mercy? If you don't sow mercy, you don't get mercy. Imagine how many people done died or had sicknesses remaining in their body because of unforgiveness. Because they sit up and said, David, you know, I tell people all the time, going, I, I preach in a whole bunch of white churches and I do black, but I tell people, unforgiveness is different in the white community and the black community. I said, in this, I said, the black people, I said, we can not like each other and we're going to come over and still eat. We still offering meals. Whether we done cussed you or not, you can come on here and get this chicken right here. We still don't like you, though. That, mm, there she go. There you go. 
Get your chicken and shut up and sit down. Just whatever. Now, in the white community, yo, y'all cold-blooded. Y'all get unforgiveness. And when the last time you talked to your sister? 20 years ago. When the last time you talked to your uncle? 30 years ago. Now, you getting ready to die in like two years. Now, you, what are we doing here? We might be going to hell, but y'all going to the hill. Now, you see how we treat it like that? Because we sit up and make this Bible. We want that Bible to say something totally different than what it say. The Bible says if you got to alt with your brother, leave your gift at the altar and go to your brother. Now, how many times do we do that? But many of us don't do. We just pack bags and leave the churches because we offended. And then we run around here. Whew, the Lord is moving over here. God is over here. He's moving over here thick. No, you have a spirit of Saul. When the music play, the devils come up off of you. But you've been rejected. See, we don't want to hear that kind of teaching. You, you are rejected. You've been rejected. <laughs> you ain't got it right over. If God moving on you, you'll come back and repent. If God moving on you, if you was going to leave, you'd have left right. But what you do, you going from one place to another because you think it's better. You think the grass green over here, so you jump over here. See, I'm going to quit going to churches because ain't nothing but hypocrites in there. Now, where are they going to be? They ain't on the street. If they on the street, they wicked. If you, you can't be a hypocrite if you ain't in the church and got your leg out the other. You can't even fulfill the mission. That's the only way you can be a hypocrite. I'll be, I'll be amazed at what people say, and I'll be like, now where else they going to be hypocrite? Means to be a play actor. You got to be able to do one and do the other, else you can't be a hypocrite. Where else they going to be? The devil had a permanent job to teach you how to be righteous. and what a, The devil got a job to do. He tests out the product of God at all costs. That's his job, permanently. He came up, he started all this stuff up here, and the Lord cast him out, throwed him through the door, sent him down here in the world, and the Lord said, okay, since you done betrayed me, you done had people turn on me, your job is to test out all this product that come out of me. And I want you to put it through such a test that when it's all said and done, I'll know if it's really with me or not, if it survives opposition. I'm only going to bring stuff to me that survives opposition. That which refuses to survive opposition, those things will not come under me. Why? Because those people are still trapped in offenses. They're still trapped in a scandal on. They still are trapped in these imaginary things. And notice, the devil's door, you can't even see in out of it. It's got a, it's got a blur. I, I, when you get offended, what happens? I, it, the Lord showed me a picture. I was praying for about offense and everything. And the Lord showed me a picture. He said, Eric, when you, when you get trapped in your own trap, he said, you, you, you move from a place of, of, of what I call stained glass windows. He said, he said, and so there's an image trapped within your vision. He said, so when you look up, you never can see freedom. You only can see the image that you have made. And I said, God, I said, how do people get free from this offense and everything? He said, Eric, he said, you got to tell them to break the windows out. He said, because they think that the, because the light is shining in, that, that it's helping them. He said, but the light is still shining in through that stained glass window, and it's coming in. But that, he said, in order for them to see truth, he said, that you got to break the windows out and let the light come in till it begin to shine in your dark place. 
That's what happens to us when we get in sin. When you get in sin, it traps you there. Next thing with hallucinations is visual. That's the second most common type of hallucination, visually. Again, what you see, just like I told And then I like this tactical uh, effect, sense of touch. And I'm going to end it with this right here as we leave today because I want everybody to get this. And somebody out there, you need to hear this. The Bible says this in uh, 2 Corinthians 7, 6 to 10. I'm going to read this from the Amplified. It said, but God who comforts and encourages the depressed and the, the, and the, and the, the squeeded, it said, comforts us by arrival of, uh, of Titus. It said, not only by the arrival, but also by his uh, account of the encouragement which he received in regards to you. He told us about your longing for us, your mourning over sin, and how eagerly you took my part and supported me. Is it so that I rejoice evermore? For in, in, it's a, even though I did grieve you with my letter, I do not regret it now. Though I did regret it, for I see that the letter hurt you. It's a, though only, it's a, though only for a little while. Yet I am glad now, not because you were hurt and made sorry. And I want you to, I want you to remember this word, that word sorry. Is it but because your sorrow led to repentance, and you turned back to God? For you felt a grief such as God meant for you to feel. Is it so that you might not suffer loss in anything is it, or account? It's a for godly sorrow that is in accord with the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation, but worldly sorrow, that hopeless sorrow of those who do not believe and produce death. And this is what I want to talk about. This sorrow represents remorse. And I'm going to end it with this right here. Remorse means this. Listen to this right here. It is a, be, a beginning step of repentance. Now notice remorse is a beginning step of repentance. But it ain't the finite step that we have to achieve to in repentance. Because I'm going to show you this right here. Remorse, it, it means this. Uh, remorse has to do with sorrow of getting caught. Ain't that like the church folk? You know, you don't really want to change. You just about, I'm going to tell you, I always talk about myself. It said this is a with wrongdoing and consequences of actions. The word deals with guilt, a guilt we would like to be removed. But it says this about remorse. Remorse does not cause a person to acknowledge what a person has actually done. It is not true repentance, but it is just, the me it is just managing consequences. I want to end with this story, this story, this story right here, and I'm going to read about repentance. But a few, uh, two years ago, I ended up getting a speeding ticket. And for years, you know, I grew up in the old school, you know, you, you know, growing up country, you didn't wear no seatbelt, man. Driving a truck, that's the man law. That's the man law. But the government don't see it that way. You know, that's country man law right there. You know, some of y'all don't know nothing about that. But in the, in the country... Care if you're a black man, you're a white man, you drive a truck, man law, drive it out the seatbelt. Get hot, throw your hand out the window, cut the air on at the same time. Chilling, you know, man law. So for years, I lived by that man law. You know, I ride down, man, I don't need no seatbelt, I'm in a truck. You know, and back in the day, that's what the law was. If you was in a truck, you didn't have to wear no seatbelt. They done change that now. I wasn't happy about the change. You know, I like the law you had before. 
And so my wife never constantly on me about this seatbelt. Why your seatbelt? Why your seatbelt? Man, I ain't studying that. I'm good. And so one day I went to Atlanta to go shop and get food. You know, y'all know I do barbecue. Come see me sometime. And so I sit up and 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 all of a sudden I'm seeing lights going off everywhere, whatever. And so I see the lights go off. So right then I said, man, I better throw my seatbelt on since all these lights up. And I call myself putting that thing on. And I done turn. Next thing I know, man, the police whipping behind me. And I'm in a big van or whatnot. They can't see that I ain't got my seatbelt on. At least I don't think. So the policeman gets out and he walks up, state patrol. He said, at the red light back there, it was a guy, one of the police officers saw you that you didn't have your seatbelt on. Mr. Moses, I'm going to have to give you a ticket. And I said, come on now. I said, you see my seatbelt on right here? And I done lied. You know, I really just had it right here. Uh, you had, I just buckled it. And, and the Lord told me this instantly. He said, Eric, you could fuss and go to court and actually get out of this ticket. He said, because you did strap your seatbelt on. He said, but it was after the fact. He said, the fact is, he said, he said, all you wanted to do, you were remorseful because you got caught, but you really didn't want to change. And so we have produced a church that moved from a place of remorse, never moving from a place of true repentance, where you literally change. So when you so when we say something or we or you hear the word of God being preached to you, what do we do? The Bible said, make no provision for the flesh. But what we do when you ain't doing what you're supposed to do, you go through that door and you begin to make all excuses for the flesh. And so instead of being a transformed Christian, you move as a modified sinner. Jesus loves us. He understands. No, Jesus, God understands he's going to send you to hell. That's what he understands. God is not, the, you know, we, we look at love like it's just this coddling. The Bible says he chastised them in love. Now, who, who preaching them messages? Because the God that I talk to, when I ain't doing right, he be rebuking me. Now, I don't know, I don't know about y'all. I, I guess everybody here saved for real. But Eric Mosley, every now and then, and my flesh will come up. That's why zombie is the number one move. My flesh, I have a zombie moment. That, that, that zombie will come back on me, and I don't, do, I don't share the love that I need to be sharing. Somebody cut me off in traffic or whatnot, and I, I'm on the horn hunking, and, and then next thing I know, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. I did not show the love of Christ. And, and in the end, now, I sit up and try my best to put my seatbelt on. Why? Because I really want to change. And when you really want to change and you move to true repentance, it causes you to work on yourself on a daily. Now, what would, what would it look like if every day you come to church and say, man, I got this issue right here. I'm working on it. What would it look like if I come to this brother and say, brother, I got an issue I'm battling with, man. Can you help me with it and do it? See, most of the time we don't do that. We just struggle with our own stuff and we refuse to be open and transparent. And see, when you're not transparent, you move from a place of this door right here where nothing can be seen in there and nothing can be seen out. And so the door is pretty, but there's no transparency to the door. Jesus calls himself the door. And why is he the door? Because he is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is that which opens our life and he is that which closes our life and so as we leave up out of here today and I hope you guys gain something today and learn something and somebody giving their life to Christ amen God is wanting to do something awesome in your life on today and repentance is turning away and and and, and changing uh, your behavior 
uh, to the point that it's life changing. Amen. If we got anyone in here and you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior, and you like, Pastor, this really touched me today. I, I got some issues that I uh, am dealing with, and I want to, you know, I want God to, uh, you know, rededicate. I want to rededicate. I want to, you know, you, you want to change some stuff. If that's you, you know, the altar is open. There's people in here that can pray with you right now. Somebody out there that's on the on the video, uh, if you that person and you you somebody out there on the video, you you ain't been you ain't been in nobody church because you've been offended. And the Lord is telling you right now that you need to go and fix that issue. You need to go to that old pastor. You need to go to them old members, and you need to ask for forgiveness. I'm gonna tell you how powerful forgiveness is and what God does for forgiveness. I had a guy. Uh, he's put, he's gone away. He done passed away now. And it was a young man, a guy, he was, well, he's older than me, older white gentleman. I was ministering to him. I worked with him. He determined, am I, am I in the way or something? And this guy, I went on the job and got to working with him, and he had said this. He said, I hate preachers. I don't like church people. And so God had me working with the guy, and I said, bro, I said, God, I said brother, why you hurt church people? I said, I've not hurt you. I ain't done nothing to you. And the Lord began to download into me what had happened with this guy. And the guy had been offended over something that happened when he was a little boy. And I said, tell me who hurt you. I said, because I didn't hurt you. He said, well, when I was younger, said, my daddy had cancer. And it was this old deacon, and he'd done me wrong. He'd done our whole family wrong. He said, I ain't been to church in 30 years. And I began to minister to the guy. And, and as I ministered to the guy the next day or two, I ended up leading the guy back to Christ. And I tell you how God is in the, forgive, in the you forgiving people. Turn me down there, brother. I'm, I'm feeling echoing, hearing myself. And so the brother sits up and we prayed and I said, God, I said, give this brother an ordained appointment that he can deal, he can go and see this deacon and this deacon, he can ask forgiveness and he can forgive this deacon. And we prayed over that thing. I said, he said, man, how am I going to see the deacon? He said, man, I ain't seen these people in 30-something years. I don't even know if they're still living. I said, brother, I done prayed that prayer. I said, and I declare a supernatural override. I said, God going to override it, and something going to miraculously happen that you're going to get to deal with the deacon. I said, I just feel it in my spirit. So a, a day later, after we prayed, he was at the store. Two days later, he was at the store, and he ran into somebody that actually went to that church he used to go to 30 years ago. And the guy said, Brother, I ain't seen you in a while, Brother Daniel. said, how you been doing, man? He said, man, I'm doing good. He said, he said you know Deacon such and such died, said, and we're going to be doing his funeral uh, on Tuesday. And he stepped back. He said, oh, come to work the next day. He said, he said, Eric, he said, Pastor, he said, the deacon done died. He said, how am I going to deal with it now? What, how can I forgive him? I said, brother, well, he, he, said, he said, do I need to take off work or go to job to see him at the casket, whatever? I said, it is imperative for your soul saving that you go and make it right. I said, you need to get there and go see him. I said, you got to say it right there with the body laying there. I said, that's what you need to do. I said, you need to take off work today, tomorrow, and you need to go to that funeral. So he took off work. He comes back the next day. Now, guess, look, look at what God done. He said he walked up into the funeral home, said, when I got to the funeral home, said, the guy, the, the, the wife was standing over the casket with the, with the body there with her, with her husband, with the deacon that had offended him. 
And the wife said, Daniel, come on up here, son. Said, I want a hug on you. Saying, I got something to tell you. Now get this right here. She hugs on him and and and, and she hugging on him, loving on him, and she said, she said, my husband had been in a coma for almost a week. Said, but on Friday, now we prayed on Thursday. On Friday, said he wakes up out the coma. And he said, Baby said, uh, when you see Daniel, she said, what Daniel said? When you see Daniel such and such, said, said when you see that brother, said, you tell him, ask him for forgiveness. Said, can he forgive me for what I've done? Said, I might not be here when he get here, but ask him, can he forgive me? A man that was in a coma wakes up out his sleep, repents for hurting a guy that done backslid and got out of church. And that brother ended up coming back into the, into the fold. And God loved him so much that he was willing to disrupt a man out of a coma he was in before he died to make it right with him. This is how much God loves you and wants you to get saved. Somebody out there need to hear that. I, I told you that story because you need to hear that. That's how much God loves us to forgive. God wants you to know that. God wants to do that in your life. He want to do that. He want to mend some relationships in your life. And he want to do it like that. And it'll, it can be just as miraculous, just like that brother. And that brother ended up giving his life to Christ. Lived saved for the rest of his days from that point on. And he ended up dying later. But guess what? Look at what God done for that brother. 